Some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got. Yeah, freaking guy. With a robust quantity of joy that I say, yeah, guy, this morning on this beautiful Tuesday morning, December 12th, 2018, I sit here in my truck with my friend David Lee Scales. Good morning, David Lee Scales. Good morning, Scott, and a yeah, guy to you. And we're spitting. We're spitting. It just made me realize maybe the name of the show should be called yeah guy it's like we never even thought about that never how did we forget that i don't know (laughs) it's like the most obvious answer i just opened with it sounded like that was the name of the show yeah that's true but we do have a good intro for the show so that's cool so spit we're spitting we would be able we have enough audio clips of us saying yeah guy that we could cut together an intro that was all yeah guys just like we have the spit intro you know (laughs) i mean just i know that would be a lot of work on your end but at some point perhaps a birthday gift uh, a little audio clip. Okay. I don't know. Well, the listener has the ringtone, the Yagai yeah ringtone. That's epic. It I really is. I kind of need the Yagai yeah ringtone. <laughs> um, oh, we're at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. We're this just not. True. We're just not in the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Close your eyes. Picture this: a Ford F one fifty, a twenty sixteen four door, a nice truck, dirty, sandy on the inside, a little bit smelly. David and I in the front seat with the microphones in front of us as we talk at each other sometimes listening sometimes not not in the same front seat well it's we're in the the two front seats the two front seats yes, correct. yes not sharing yeah. a seat but we're at the surfing heritage and culture center they will be open shortly and uh did an ep- did a um exhibition with todd glazer recently uh-huh showcasing all of his proximity oh, here, photographs yeah, yeah. From the film Proximity with Taylor Steele. Yes. So, um, great resource. Surfingheritage.org is their website. Now, um, I'm interested in a couple things. First and foremost, and I don't want to jump the shark or jump ahead of what we're doing. So, why don't I start off with something uh, that needs to be talked about? And Let's. that is Bruce Brown. Sadly passed away, I believe, Sunday evening. And, of course, Bruce Brown, the iconic filmmaker... Um, most notably uh, made the movie The Endless Summer with Robert August and Mike Hinson, those two traveling the globe in search of perfect waves, chasing The Endless Summer. Now, I'm sure, I know you follow Instagram as as deeply as I do, and um, Instagram lit up with Bruce Brown stuff as as it should be, and I was sort of, um, I was sort of amazed um, at the depth and the number of instagrams for this legend bruce brown now legends have passed away in the you know already of course you know in in the past and um i don't recall instagram being quite as um what's the word i'm looking for um impassioned impassioned's good that wasn't the word but that's a good one just yeah impassioned um and as active maybe Active. I'm looking for another word. But I'm going to keep trying. Yeah. I'll just keep throwing them out. Um, but anyway, um, the one thing that... So what it made me realize this morning when I was typing this up and thinking about the show this morning is that it's sometimes not really what is said about a person as much as it is who is saying it. And there were so many big time what you know people that I look up to, um, 
gushing and um, effusing about Bruce Brown and his impact on surfing. And it really kind of caught me like, wow, this, you know, this is not just a, another sad day. This is a, a massive, uh, a guy who had a huge impact, probably a bigger impact than I realized until I got into Instagram. And I will share with you just one of these Instagram moments. Jerry yeah. Lopez said this, David. He said this of Bruce Brown. Today we lost a cornerstone of modern surfing. So there's only four cornerstones. Bruce Brown's one of them. Bruce Brown is one of the main reasons surfing is the big sport it is today. Surfing was for surfers before the endless summer. Bruce's film put the attractions of surfing into living rooms where otherwise they would never be. His generosity, humor, and brilliance will be missed. He was the most influential person in the history of surfing. Bruce Brown, the number one most influential surfer of all time. Wow. That, according to Jerry Lopez. Yeah, that really, that's, I had a wow moment thinking about it. Because then I immediately went to Duke. I went, well, what about Duke? Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good argument, not that we want to argue over these things, but it's a valid point. Bruce Brown probably touched more people in Kansas, so to speak, than did Duke Hanamoko. He just had a broader platform. Exactly. But there would there's an argument that there would be no Bruce without Duke, too. Very well so. put. Yeah. And, you know, I've said it over the years, right? Endless Summer, it's such a masterpiece that no other surf film with a message should ever be made. They'll pale in comparison. If you're a filmmaker, David, trying to capture the spirit of freedom community in Stoke and explain how surfing has altered your life forever, please do us a favor. Don't make the film. Bruce Brown has nailed this. It's out of the park. Just make yourself some surf porn. Now, by all means, I think it's important that we have meaningful films made and art created. Just know that this genre belongs to Endless Summer and Bruce Brown, this idea that surfing's altered my life forever. Hmm. Do yourself a favor. Move on to a bigger subject. Yep. I'm not going to argue with that. You and I have made this point numerous times. Yeah. Every time you like roll into the show and you're like, I'd like to talk about... The latest surf film that came out. Yeah. <laughs> good, the Goodwin Factor or whatever it is. It's like, come first, on. First please all, don't tell me that surfing's altered your life. I'm going to be bored to death. First it's of altered all, all of our lives thanks to Bruce Brown. Yeah. I was not praising the Goodwin film, by the I way. I was just using... Uh, that's yeah, the only yeah. one I could think of. Yeah, yeah. But there have been some other well, examples that have been made, but they weren't... See, the thing about Animal Summer is that it was mainstream, right? Yeah. So when you think about mainstream films that have tried to do this, can you even name one? And I don't mean like to put you on the spot. Well, the thing is, so it is mainstream, but it's also documentary. It's not like you couldn't uh, put Blue Crush in that category because it's a scripted film. So, yeah, I mean, Endless why, not? why not give Endless Summer that leeway? Like, let's well, because just say you could do that. You could, if you, you go could to include IMDb. feature fiction films with feature documentary films, and you've named Blue Crush, and obviously that falls way short of... yeah. They're not even comparable. It's apples and oranges. Exactly. If you go to IMDb, there's categories, and documentary is a category, and feature, you know, uh, scripted is a different category. So I would say, no, there's nothing that has even come close to the endless. Well, I'll name three, two of which I think are pretty damn good, but do not come close. Surf films? Yes. Surf documentaries? Yes. Okay, let's hear it. Step into Liquid. 
which was made by his son, I believe Dana or Wes Brown, one yeah. of those two. Pretty good movie. I yeah, enjoyed but, it. But I went to the surfers. theater and saw it. Four surfers. Well, it was a general audience film. It was like what put I'm out. Saying, like what my I'm wife is, and I went. But my dad or my extended family who doesn't surf, your wife goes because she's supporting you. She would not have gone by herself. But my point is, if your dad went to the movie theater and was like, oh, the latest De Niro film sold out. What should we watch? I don't know. Right here is Riding Giants. My point is it's available to the general audience. It's available. Just like sure. Endless Summer was. Right, so right, it's right. in that. It wasn't like, hey, let's do the La Paloma, no. Newport, you know, film festival or whatever. But here's just, the question. Was it only made available in wide release because of his dad's legacy? Well, regardless, kind of, it didn't meet the mark no. that Endless Summer met. And that's what I'm trying to get at. And the other one that's pretty good is Riding Giants. So Riding Giants, Step Into Liquid, two well-made films, not necessarily trying to capture the spirit of what it is to be a surfer and how it's altered your life, but definitely in both those movies, there are moments where you go, oh God, they're trying to, you know, there's some flowery moment where the sun's setting and Laird's going, it's changed my life forever, you know, and it's like, oh God, not this again. Right. Well, so you, anyway, know, you know what's interesting is, um, you're right, The Endless Summer does that for surfing, but I'm wondering if there's any other films from any other sports that have kind of done that for their respective sport. And the first thing that came to my mind was on any Sunday about motorcross, motorcycles, and that was also Bruce Brown. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I'm glad it's you like he's that not up. just the one trick pony. He's got like a long. There are some that argue that that's his finest film. Yeah. On any Sunday. Yeah. And I would urge you, David, and I'm going to put this on myself. And all of our listeners, do yourself a favor this holiday season. Check out On Any Sunday. I think you can get it on Netflix. Okay. When was the last time you watched it? When I was a kid? Yeah, I haven't. I think I've seen it one time a long, long, long time ago, and I might have only watched half of it. Hmm. And I owe it to myself to revisit that. I would Steve love McQueen, to rewatch it. Right? Documentary with Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen's in it? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we so, definitely need to rewatch that. Yeah. Big Wednesday, Gidget, Chasing Mavericks, Point Break, Endless Summer 2, all films released to the general audience, falling way short of the general audience release known as The Endless Summer. Yeah. Steve looks like Steve McQueen was actually a producer on the film, too, in addition to starring in it. So, Rip Bruce Brown. Yeah, well, man, that was a sad day. Um, we've actually had a number, not to start the show on such a somber topic but we've had a number of losses in the surf community in the last since you and i last saw each other um jean de silva as well and then um oscar moncada yeah crazy right those two happened like within 24 hours of one gone another. way too soon yeah super moncada was in a car accident with three other surfers down in mainland mexico yeah Head two on. others diego Oropesa, which was a surfer and then a tattoo artist named waldo uh rendon and Moncada was 34. So yeah, head-on collision um, on a two-lane highway down near Puerto Escondido. And then John De Silva was age 32 and um, took his own life, which is the saddest possible really? scenario. Yeah. Wow. So I don't know what the what the circumstances were going on in his life, mm. but I was sad to see that he had died and then like three times additionally sad to find out that it was suicide, you know? just made me feel terrible yeah Whew. i don't know i don't either you know my favorite thing about jean de silva or the first memory that came to mind was 
like three years ago, he won the Virginia Beach contest. The um, what do they call that event? ECSC? It's the Vans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. East Coast Surfing Championship. Yeah. And it's like the East Coast version of the U.S. Open, basically. And the waves are always ankle high. And it's just like, yeah. but everybody goes because it actually had like a high rating for a while yeah. in terms of number of stars or points collected. And I remember on Instagram all that week, all of the young Californian, super sponsored, well-paid um, surfers overpaid. were there. Yeah, overpaid. Surfers were there posting Instagrams, partying with chicks, getting drunk, like all week long. That's what Instagram looked like from all those kids. Yeah. And then at the end of the week, Jean De Silva wins the event. And Matt Biolis wrote this huge diatribe. And it was a photo of Jean De Silva on the um, on the stand, podium. the winner's podium. And it just it was like three paragraphs long, just going, This is what it takes to win contests. Jean De Silva went out there and just waxed you little idiots who I've been giving free boards to for the last 10 years while you guys are hang recovering from a hangover. And Jean De Silva is like quietly waxing his board at eight and then going to bed at eight o'clock at night, you know, not bothered by any of the trappings of success and underpaid and funding his own way from Brazil around the world trying to qualify. You guys need to take out a, a page out of his book. And I remember um, it was awesome. And like, Instagram lit up and then I think Luke Davis or somebody actually posted basically an apology. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just wow. like, you're absolutely right. Game face on. I'm going to start hitting the gym. I'm going to get my act together. And I was like, man, that was awesome. And how did that go? So <laughs> fast forward three years, where's Luke Davis? He's in Hawaii getting barreled right now. Oh, okay. So What's his ranking? Was, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he he, no, he stopped doing the yeah. QS events. But... Um, but yeah, so great memory of Jean De Silva and yes, way too soon, obviously. That's a bummer for sure. You know what listeners loved from our last show was hearing about your replica board that you were trying oh, to I'm make. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Two things. First of all, I want to apologize for us not having a show out there. David texted me three weeks ago going, hey, I'm going to be in your area next week. And I saw the text. I was like, killer, this, this is good for me. I don't have to drive. And it was one of those, for whatever reason, it got lost in a text chain, and I didn't revisit it until it was too late. And I, So that's the reason why we're late, because yesterday in the water, somebody goes, hey, when's the next spit, man? You guys are lagging. You know, kind of called me out. And, of course, I said, oh, it was David's fault, you know. He, of course. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, so I apologize for that. No, so replica. And then the second thing, the replica board, craziest thing. So I had the replica board made in XTR foam, which is what the original was made in. Um, it was shaped, hand-shaped, which is, that foam's hard to hand-shape, by Roy Sanchez. I delivered the board to Javier at XTR. They're glassing it right now. Should be done probably this week sometime. Okay. In the meantime, I got a random phone call from Roy Sanchez, the shaper. And he goes, hey, your board's done. And he, unbeknownst to me, made me a PU version of the board. He goes, I replicated the board in poly. So now you'll have the original, you'll have the board in poly, and you'll have the board in XTR with epoxy. What? Yeah. So I'm going to have the board in three versions, two new versions, and I've been riding the poly version the last three days, and it's insane. It's Is so it? good. Oh, my it's gosh. It's better than the original. Really? Yeah. I'm just psyched on it. Huh. It's just super buttery and, and fast. It's everything that I would have, you know, just super stoked. Like, there's no... 
negative at all. And the waves have been pumping too. The waves have been good. You know, it's the waves have been good. There's no doubt the waves have been real good. So, so um, explain the board design again, if you don't mind. Well, it's a five ten fish made by John Bellick, designed by John Bellick, who's a Point Loma fish guy. He grew up in the list. All those guys kind of grew up together down there, keeping their fish design sort of underground and and sort of you know putting an umbrella of of secrecy around it and those guys were just uber tinkerers you know they would change fins bust fins off put new fins on just do crazy stuff and they were developing this fish design and bellick was amongst those guys and he was um sort of quiet and sort of like mad scientist type um and he moved away to maui and long story short i got i ran into him and i interviewed him on on down the line a long time ago and um, he made me this board and I love this board. It's a great board. It's an incredible board and but it was falling apart And so I was like, hey, let's get this thing replicated So I called Roy Sanchez who's an incredible production shaper has made me a bunch of great boards under many big-time labels And you wouldn't have known that he was the guy that shaped it, but I did know and he made me this great or he's in the you know we're in the process of replicating this board to see if we can can get the magic board replicated and as you know, you and I have talked about, it's really impossible to replicate the magic board. There's so much to it, right? Mainly flax is the big problem. You can never get the same blank pour, the same stringer. Even if it's all the same, the pour is usually a little different. The foam's slightly different. For sure, the stringer is different. It's a different kind of wood. And I'm just so surprised how effortless from one to the other this was. Like, I, there was no... There wasn't even one wave where I was like, okay, I'm going to need some time to figure this out. Hmm. It was just instantly bang, 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 killer fast, going everywhere I wanted it to go. Probably a lot more liveliness, too, than the old one. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Because the old one's XTR, it's beat up, but it's still plenty springy. Really? You know? It still has plenty of pop. The only reason that I wanted it replicated is that the, the bottom of it is bubbling up up by the nose area there's some bubbles coming up in like it like d-lamb yeah like d-lamb and i'm just afraid that one day the whole bottom's going to be shot and i'll right. be stuck without a board yeah um you know it makes me wonder i mean the xtr versus poly is the interesting conversation here where um now that you'll have one in each version to be able to try them side by side I wonder what the feel we, is. You and I should do a test. Okay. It would be fun to have both yeah. boards, you and me, somewhere, probably in Cardiff or Swamis. And swap. And just swap them. Yeah. And that way, when we talk about it, it won't just be, you know, you're, you've got a little bit, um, you're good at sort of your vernacular and getting out your thoughts about the way the board performed on the wave face. And so it would be fun to do that. Let's yeah, try that to do that. would be interesting. And the glassing and the fins is all the same. It's just no. the foam that's different. The glassing's the same for the XTR. Okay. But the fins are different. I went with okay. Futures, and I okay. believe I said I was going to stick with Lockbox, but I swayed a little bit. But the fins on the two new ones are the same. Well, we can make them the same. Uh, right now, I haven't. I don't have the new XTR. It's still being finished. Right, but are they finishing yeah, that both, with Futures? Yeah, they're both Futures. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. So they're different than the original, but the same as one another. Yeah, they'll, Got be, it. they'll be the same except for the Perfect. foam. Perfect. So the, when you and I are doing the swapping the experiment, be yeah. that'll be similar. Right, we'll have that as a base. The only thing that's different is the foam. Right, and the glass top. Oh, I thought it was the same glassing. No. Oh, it's, okay. there, there's his XTR glassing. Oh, right, 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 right. right and then right. this is poly glassing. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Well, interesting. You know what's funny? Um, and we, board, both the boards are in the back of my truck right oh, now. Okay. Later, we we'll can shoot photos. Yeah. Um, what's funny about it is we talk about this 
replicating conversation every once in a while, trying to make the magic board, replicate the magic board. And what I find is while we try to narrow down all the variables and isolate and make as similar as possible, I end up with more questions in the end than I really answered. You know, it leaves all these new questions, which is like, well, if that board seamlessly worked so perfectly, um, what and felt like the old one, then why didn't the old one break down? Is that the XTR that's not breaking down? Or is would this poly board, if the old one was poly, would it have worked even better when you first gotten it? You know? Yeah. I'm not sure. The first question, I think it's the foam is just maintained. Doesn't it's, break it's, down. It's, as- yeah, like you, that's the foam you can surf without even glassing it. You can just paddle the shaped blank out and ride it. Right. Now it's going to get dented up and stuff, but, but it, it doesn't, doesn't take in water. water. Right. Yeah, so it's kept its integrity. Um, the glass job, it's pretty good too. It's just you know after ten years in my, you know in the back of my truck or what, it just is, it's gotten worked, and I yeah. ride the shit out of it. Right. You know? um, the other question I had, just kind of knowledge for listeners, is you talk about him being a ghost shaper for a lot of other brands. Yeah, we hear that term a lot, and obviously. You know, there's not one dude at Channel Islands making all of Channel Islands board. They're making way too many boards. So you do have um, ghost shapers that are replicating models based on machine cut files and then finishing them out to the design specifications. Do those ghost shapers put marks on their boards so that the user can identify who shaped what or who finished what? Well, each situation is different. A lot of it depends on which label you're shaping for. But I think the short answer is no. Okay. I don't think those big labels want Individuality. to promote yeah, yeah. Who, who it is. Now, I think with like Rusty, I mean, you'll see Hoy Runnels or um, you'll see um, some of the names of the Rusty shapers on the blank, you know, like I'm, try- I'm drawing a blank on who the other guys are, but um, well, and R- Roy Sanchez was one of the guys yeah. for, for Rusty for a long time. Because as the, as the surfer or the person purchasing the board, I would like to know. And I would like to also, sometimes those people go on to become somebody on under their own label. And it's like, oh, they used they came from Rusty Stable of Shapers. And I would like to know then if I had like an 86 Rusty or whatever, if it came from that guy, you know? Yeah. Like there's an element of kind of... I think with Rusty, you can track it down way easier than with like Channel Islands or right. something like that. I have an old MR that wasn't shaped by MR, but there is a marking on oh, it. Oh, that's probably Rick Rock. It's not. Uh, I think it's... Um, Terry Goldsmith? No, it says E-Duck. Oh, Electric Duck? Is that what that is? <laughs> I think. Who's Electric Duck? I don't know. Ask Matt. <laughs> Somebody out there tell us Ask who Matt, E-Duck... Ask Matt. Matt who? Violas. Oh, by the way, uh, speaking of Matt's, Matt mm-hmm. Warshaw is in the midst of his oh, membership want, drive. That's what I wanted to bring up earlier. Talk to me. Well, you did a... A thing with him, right? A, tell me about so David did a Surf Splendor uh, Wax On podcast with him. One hour long. Matt's one of my dear. He's a really good guy. Yeah, I agree. And um, so, how did that go? What what's it the, went? It went fantastic. Like the reality is, um, Matt's been doing this encyclopedia of surfing dot com. First of all, he wrote a book called Encyclopedia of Surfing. He wrote a book called The History of Surfing. He is surfing's foremost historian, and um, just out of passion, you know, like per just dug into those topics and 
wrote the books on him, and then started the Encyclopedia of Surfing, which was funded basically by his wife. She was just like, look, you could take a year off and do this thing. If you got the website up in a year, we'll revisit it. Turns out it took like three years to get the website up and running. But um, he's tried a couple of different revenue models. I don't know if you remember when he first launched it. You and I were doing this show together, and it was um, he was allowing people to purchase a page. Right. So it's like... And they were all priced differently. Yeah. So like Kelly Slater's page was 125 bucks for I think a year you could buy it for. And then if you wanted to buy the page that I was like I bought Ben Ipa's page. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, because he was doing the boardroom show that yeah, year. Yeah, he was the icon of foam that year. Smart. Yeah. Smart, savvy move. Well, <laughs> who knows, but it was fun to help out. Yeah. Know? And then you could buy like, I don't know, Malibu for less than Kelly's. So they were all different prices, but that model didn't really um, wasn't sustainable or wasn't enough revenue anyways. There's not enough. Pages I think it was a there. pain in the ass to, to chase it all down. Too. I think so, too. And then he's also not a great marketer, you know, so he wasn't out there like actively telling people that they could do that. Yeah. And the and of course, the resource has grown like it's a reference. It's basically a reference um, guide and he adds to it all the time. So he's continually working on it and adding pages. And then so that model kind of didn't wasn't that profitable or wasn't sustainable. Then he partnered up with Surfer Magazine about two years ago where they basically did a full buyout and they're just like, we'll fund the EOS for you if we can kind of pull from it and then once a week do like a this day in history type feature. So they did that, but of course print is struggling and they didn't renew this year. And so Matt's basically stuck with this huge archive and expense, like there's hard costs in running it on a monthly. And he wants to continue to add to it, but he can't afford to do it. He's got to get a job, basically. And he's got a he's got a young kid. Obviously, his wife is like, dude, you've been at this for like five or six years now. What are you going to do? So he basically decided we're transitioning it to a membership model for three bucks a month. He's like, I think we have enough people viewing it that if they each paid three bucks a month, that would be sustainable. And so he decided he gave himself one month to do it. It was like, if this doesn't hit our target by the by January, by December 31st, we're pulling the plug. On January 1st, I'm going to take a real job and then I'll figure out whether we put this all into a new book or how we transition this. And uh, so it's a membership drive. But again, three bucks a month, I signed up. It's like, dude, honestly, I'm not well to do at all. And I can spend three bucks a month without noticing it missing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm glad to do it. Absolutely. And I've been a member for a while too. And I thought what might be good is if we could add a segment to this show basically called EOS or Encyclopedia of Surfing and we pull one yeah, or even if it's History of Surfing but we pull one anecdote out and we just share it and it's our way of kind of hoping to get drive people to subscribe to the Encyclopedia of Surfing for Matt. So my first one is for you. Okay. So it's going to be kind of a quiz. Like basically I'm going to try mm. to bust you. I think you'll bust me quick but go ahead. Okay, let me. Maybe I should change. I'm, I'm going to bust you on this one. <laughs> I'm good from like 1996 onward. Oh shit! No, but go for it. Okay, because and by the way, I'm not super prepared for this either. So I'm. Like, You're just winging it. I'm kind of winging it. This isn't even I coming off of, this, of the I encyclopedia. Thought of on, I thought of this on the drive off. That's like, the thing. It's not coming from the encyclopedia. It's coming from your own recesses of right, your mind. Exactly. But, okay. But for the first one, we're going to wing it. So Pete Peterson. Tell me about Pete Peterson. I have no idea who Pete Peterson okay, is. Pete Peterson was a World War II surfer. He was in the Navy in World War II. He took some of the stuff he learned from being a Navy diver, um, technology and composites-wise, 
and um, made surfboards. He was a, he was basically the first California waterman. Um, I mean, if I guess you know you're taking away Simmons and some of those guys, but I mean, Pete Peterson was like he was a munitions guy, like a diver for the Navy. Like he was hardcore. And when yeah. he came back, he was a guy that was diving abalone for a living and building surfboards with composite resins that he learned about, you know, during world war two. And, um, they did a really good piece on him in the surfers journal, but Pete Peterson is an example of a guy who we should at least know a little bit about who he is. Like if you were a brand today, like, um, like salty crew you'd be like dude get pete peterson on our team he's mm-hmm. the guy like he's a legit hardcore california surfer fisherman boat guy fixer guy he's the guy that like flippy hoffman looked up to and went holy shit i want to be like pete peterson you is know he, what i mean is he still around oh no no he's oh, okay um 1940s oh okay got it uh fascinating how do you feel about people how do you feel about his parents naming him pete <laughs> Knowing their last name is Peterson. Peter Peterson. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I haven't given it much thought. It so rolls first, off the tongue. First thing I thought about was just like, they're either, first of all, he does have an entry in the um, encyclopedia. Oh, well, surfing. here, read, it, I read just, a little bit. Pull a little bit out of it and see how close I got. Well, it's making me log on, uh, well, which I thought I was auto-logged on, but log. I guess not. Click log is your thing automatically seated into the field. So I'm your, trying. Your I'm clicking. I'm clicking. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because mine is too when I do it. Um, so you're logged on to the Encyclopedia of Surfing. Your subscription's $3 a month. Give us something on Pete Peterson. Basically, back up, validate what I said. Is Did I miss it anywhere? Because I was uh, winging it. It said Santa Monica. That was the first thing I read. So seriously, his parents are either the most, the, the least creative people. Like, just like, oh, let's just call him Pete. There it goes with Peterson. Or they're hilarious i would like to think that they're comedians and they're just like or as names go they might have named him james peterson but everyone just called him pete because oh, it's short for right. peterson you know and yeah, before yeah. you know it he's just called pete peterson that's a good point okay we'll get to the bottom of this it's probably in the encyclopedia gruff and durable surfer paddler lifeguard from santa monica california four-time winner of the pacific coast surf riding championships and tandem division winner in 1966 world surfing championships it was muscular and lean but didn't uh look like anything special special but when he got in the water he was one of the best he was born in best he was in born in uh, 1911 in texas moved with his family to santa monica in the 20s his parents built and ran the crystal beach bathhouse um i'm gonna skip forward a little bit world war ii yeah um Peterson, I don't see that. It says Peterson occasionally worked as a Hollywood stuntman, but for 25 for 25 years beginning in 1958, his primary occup- occupation was the marine salvage business he owned and operated from the Santa Monica Pier. Much of Peterson Peterson's shop along with many of his personal effects were lost at the end of the pier at the end of the pier collapse during the El Nino storms of 1982 and 1983. Rad. Yeah. I didn't know that. Died of a heart attack in 1983. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I am not familiar with yeah, Pete Peterson. Yeah, he's the original California waterman, Pete mm. Peterson. Mm. He sold surfboards out of his own house for $35. Yeah. In the 30s. Nothing about World War II, Navy? I don't see it. Okay. I'm skimming, but I don't no. see it. Well. Good one. EOS, let's try to remember that as a segment and i say that to myself as much as to you because uh, yeah. yeah 
Well, what I like, uh, by the way, about Warshaw and what I was saying in that interview that I did with him is like, I'm apprehensive to just subscribe to stuff nowadays where it's like a monthly recurring thing. And then somebody, first of all, I don't think you should ever pay anybody up front for any work. You know what I mean? So I feel like they won't be as good of an employee and a steward if they get paid up front, just period. That's human nature. But Warshaw, I feel like has such a long track record of producing high quality publishing. And I further feel like his best work is yet to come. If you remove the stressor of like, how will this thing get paid every month? It's like giving somebody like that MacArthur fellowship or stuff like the genius grant where they find artists. Sometimes it's a poet. Sometimes it's an architect. Sometimes it's a playwright. And they just go, Hey, we're going to give you this grant to pursue your life's work. Now just go do it. Whatever it is, go do it. Even if it changes in five years from now, we just believe in you. And that's how I feel with Matt. It's like, he's proven himself for 40 years like now, Matt, we'll each give you three bucks a month. Just you go do you. You know, that's how I feel about Matt. Yeah, I well, fully believe in him being a steward of those funds and then just producing something radical. For well the next stated. Decade. Well yeah. stated. Now, that picture that you posted of Matt and El Salvador, I went on that trip with Matt. No way. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you what your relationship was. With oh, Matt. yeah. No, Matt and I and Divine. And First of all, we don't name spots. It was just Central America. Yeah, right. Thank you. Just somewhere in Central America. But this was before there was any camps down there. This was when it was wild, wild west. You know, relative to, look, there was no, like I said, no surf tours. Yeah, Matt. And, and the funnest time ever was being in the car with Matt and just, I would just, he hated it, but I would just quiz him on, how come they're in the, the history of surfing or they're in the encyclopedia and this person isn't in the encyclopedia? You know, that would be my whole thing because... Because Matt's very 80s and 90s centric, you know, like, and he would have some random things in there, like, like, you know, Simon Law or whatever, you know, he'd be yeah, like, yeah, right. okay, he was 10th on tour for three years, big deal. Right. You know, but anyway, it was fun chatting and surfing and he's a great surfer. Yeah. Well, so what, tell me about that trip or what's your relationship with Matt? How'd you guys get to know one another? Uh, well, it was a trip for surfer magazine right i was working at surfer magazine matt was a writer for surfer magazine um jeff devine was the photographer for surfer magazine so you know basically like all trips in surfer magazine it was like hey i want to go on a surf trip how do i do this pull together an edit trip so we pulled together a couple of young pro kids and then i'd go divine let's go and he'd be like yeah okay who can you get and i'd be like oh we can get this b-level pro guy and we'd get a couple pros and a trip and we'd get you know so who were the pros um i think it was like austin um austin ware yeah. and jeremy uh hyatt no um i can't believe i'm having a brain fart right now <laughs> who else um it might have been like Brian Braun Houston Stam. <laughs> nice, dude. You're like, go, you're digging deep. I think he sells real estate now. I think he does. No, dude. no, no. Actually, he went to he, so Braun Houston Stam went to USC. USC Business School. Yeah, and like did some like he's successful something. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it was, <laughs> the he's point was business. is that Matt and Scott and Sam and Jeff wanted to go surfing. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so we went down there, and it was killer. That's awesome. Yeah. So you have a long storied relationship with Warshaw. Oh yeah. Cool. I don't know if it's long and storied, but I have some experience with. You him. have a couple stories. Yeah. Cool. Kelly Slater is back. 
or is he, David, rating his performance yesterday in the Billabong Pipeline Masters Day 1 Round 1, our first time seeing Kelly back in competitive jersey. First of all, let me ask you this. Were you there sitting on the couch on the edge of your seat awaiting his arrival onto the beach like I was? I was diligently working at my office, my place of business, so I was at the desk, and yes, I was watching <laughs> yeah, it the entire exactly. time. That's code for you weren't working. <laughs> <laughs> the window. No, what I do is... You don't my, have to rationalize. Have They're phone. not listening. I have my phone off to the side so that I can stare at the computer without um, minimizing the window every time somebody catches a wave. I just glance down at my phone instead. Um, right. Yeah, no. So, yes, to answer your question, I was wrapped. My attention was wrapped, and I was um, very excited to see Kelly. But you said Kelly returns. I'm going to put an asterisk on that headline. He didn't return to form. He won the heat. But um, what's wrong with winning the heat? There's nothing wrong with winning the heat. He That's wasn't top form, in my opinion. He wasn't First in his place. top form. Well, he wasn't in his. He's top not form. 32 either. Um, he's 32nd position on the ti- on the ratings. Well, he's I think he's like 28th actually. But um, no, so I I feel like to answer your question, Kelly is good enough certainly to um, be at like 50 percent and probably still win a lot of heats at pipe, but. He's not going to make the final. Based on what I saw from him in round one, he's not going to make the final. When you got guys like What Gabriel, round is he going to go down? I'm going to say round... Well, you know what? I'll call it out. Uh, round three. Okay, so $100. No, 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 no. <laughs> what? Get out of here. Come on, bro. Get out of here with bucks. that. Kelly goes past round three. No, I lost so 100 bucks last so, year. So you're I'm not even backing up your conviction. Dude, the problem is... The problem yesterday. is... Listeners, friends who listen bet me all the time i gotta bet right now with kote i gotta bet with somebody in new I'm york the guy that pays I up. Got, no everybody will pay up if they're if they lose but i can't be have ten hundred dollar bets going at any given time throughout the year wow so i don't make rank sense. in anywhere you won't bet me because i'm I'll not bet worthy you early in the season i can't bet you right now on okay. this i'm Fair just enough. i also don't feel that strongly convicted but i do think kelly will lose in round three, three. Said. when do you think well I think Kelly's going to be in the semifinals. Do you really? Yes. Hmm. Okay. I think Kelly's just doing just what he needs to do to get through these heats, and when he needs to step it up. For instance, yesterday, if he needed more than what he did, I think he would have reached for it. But I think he's like, okay, I'm doing good. I'm going to sit on this guy. I've got my heat. I've got the heat. You know, I'm I'm not going to do anything more than needs to be done. I will agree with you. He looked tentative. The kick out on the right where he had to punch through the back was where I went, God, that looked like something I would do. Yeah. It didn't look like usually Kelly is 100%, 110% in control of every little action, every little droplet of water yeah. that comes off his bald head. He controls it. And it looked like there was moments where he was like, I'm injured. And he was limping up the beach. Yeah. After the heat. So, That's all part of the ploy. Yeah, that could be. First of all, that was his first... I don't know if it... Uh, he said he hadn't surfed in three months. Maybe yes. twice in three months. It something. was his first surf in a long time and also his first surf in Hawaii. So, I don't... He's number one, that's... better sh- and better and better and better until the semis. Okay. We'll see. I just... I, I think that the... Regardless of what Kelly contributes, competition is so, so tough right now. Like, competitively, people don't really... The people on that level don't make mistakes like people were five and six years ago where Kelly could have gotten away with a lot of this stuff. So, 
they're going to seize the opportunity. And we don't know right now the list or the heat draw isn't set for round three. We don't know who he's going to surf against. I mean, Stewie Kennedy is injured. So if he drew Stewie and then it was injured versus injured, there's an opportunity there. But I don't think that he could beat Idolo Ferrer, who's like uh, got his requalification on the line and all the ability and all that sort of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's my call round. Okay, three. will Kelly Slater be on tour in 2018? Yes, he will. He's going to take a wild card or the injury wild card spot, and he will be on tour. And I think that he will go for the world title, not make it, and then retire. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, I agree with you. There's no doubt Kelly will be on tour mainly because this is his year 2018 of being the main marketing vehicle for the Kelly Slater Wave Pool, which of course in September has its first WCT event. So for no other reason than to just be there so that every event they're talking about, hey, coming up in September, the first ever, we're going to be making history at your wave pool, the surf ranch, whatever it's called. So I think that's one of the main factors behind Kelly being on tour is that it's just a smart business move. Yeah. Regardless, he's not, not much is expected of him coming off of an injury season, but he deserves and um, will be on tour. Now, speaking of which... You hear that little sound? There's a little, there's a little birdie in the truck, chirp, chirp, chirping. I've been told through the grapevine that there are currently five Kelly Slater wave pools either under construction, one of them in Houston, I'm being told. We know there's one in Florida. There's one in California. Five Kelly Slater wave pools are either under construction or about to be all of which are owned by the Kelly Slater Wave Company. In other words, they're not selling this this technology as a license deal to just whoever wants to buy it. The reason, and again, this is innuendo, parking lot, hearsay, but they want to have a standalone stadium surfing tour. Mm. They feel, they being the Kelly Slater Wave Company and the WSL, it's the only way to sell surfing to make money is through the box office revenue from a standalone stadium tour and all the revenue trappings that flow from that. Again, from a well-established source, I've heard this, 
Oh, and this came from decision makers at the Kelly Slater Wave Company. So I'm getting oh. this just from a secondhand account. It's I'll give not, you firsthand. It's not that far removed. Oh, please. I'll give do. you Sophie's direct quote. Oh my gosh. Um, I am. What, this makes me seem like I no, don't no, have no. any breaking news. No, she but said. Please. Buy she said news. we have a very robust business plan in place for Kelly Slater Wave Co. We have one pilot factory at the moment, which of course is the Lamore facility. So it's still in its very early stages. There's different, there's multiple different arrangements we can look at to roll these wave systems out more broadly. Good news is we have a huge amount of interest. We've targeted six developments that have already begun or will shortly be underway. Each of those arrangements is very different. It depends on the market and how the WSL sees them being used. From a capital perspective, we're lucky to have a tremendous amount of ownership support but we also have various other sources that we are very keen to invest. Again, we're trying to be very thoughtful about it and strategic. We're not in a huge rush, although anyone who's been up to Lemoore has been pretty blown away. So it's accelerated our ambitions around how meaningful these can be for surfing. We've remained, we're, or we remain committed to the ocean and our events in the ocean have become as important as ever. She basically says a lot of nothing no, with that statement. No, she says a lot. I get you think a lot so? out of that. Yeah. Okay. I just think she says that they've got six events. They're gonna. They've got six play it planned construction sites. That's the most interesting thing. And I've heard that, like, I mean, the guy that I talked to said that more than two of them are under construction. And we just don't know about it. Yeah. Which so the interesting thing is her talking about investment and capital. Uh, outlay, which makes me realize that they're funding the projects. I thought they were licensing it to like Palm Beach, and then Palm Beach figures out how to fund the thing. But Here, it sounds here's like the play. I think this could be one of the plays. Okay, Dirk, who's got the money, right? Yeah, Dirk Ziff, is it? Yep, Ziff's got the money. He's going. Look, I could sell this thing right now and lose whatever a certain amount of money, but I could. I, it wouldn't be that bad. I'd take a little bit of a bath. Or look at all this excitement around this thing. This thing's insane. It's way bigger than I thought it was two years ago. I had no idea this thing was going to be this rad. Let me throw the money in and build five of these things. Let's build a stadium tour around these things. At that point, I will be ready to sell because I will now have 10 times multiples. I'll be able to, whatever the multiple will be based on revenue from one year. And I'll be able to sell this thing. And I think that he's the big money behind it. Because to him... Two hundred million dollars to build five of these things is—I don't, you know. Again, I don't. Well, we have don't know. any idea how much these things cost, but he's got the money to throw at it. Do you but see? No, it? that's the question. Is though, do you throw good money after bad? I think he does. Do that's you my double point. down on your yes, investment? You do. He does. He does. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. He does do that because it's going to mean if if everything projects out on the spreadsheet, it's going to mean he actually breaks even or makes a little bit of money. Well, Whereas so, he was looking at losing two hundred million, now he can maybe make two hundred million. I mean, we. I mean, with it's probably you run into this with any business, I would imagine, where it's kind of like you never really sleep well at night. You get to a point of success, and then there's just more opportunity to reinvest in some new aspect or to double down and risk it all. And um, he's in deep, like he's in deep in terms of the amount of capital outlay and it's brand new technology and there's high risk but again potentially high reward 2021 will we see a wsl stadium only surfing tour the ks wave parks yeah i think so will it even occur before the 2020 olympics no if this comes to fruition 
And it's a big if. Could you envision a purely Hawaiian tour just in Hawaii? Because this means that the ocean events are off. A majority of Hawaiian surfers just in Hawaii, a Hawaiian tour that has five events on the North Shore, October Sunset Beach, November Haleiwa, December Sunset, December Pipeline, January Pipeline, and swell permitting an event at Jaws or Waimea Bay. A whole new offshoot that's separate from the WSL that's basically a, a chance for the Hawaiians to actually regain their turf oh, when and you own say, their place. When you say a Hawaiian series, you mean with only Hawaiian surfers? Mainly Hawaiian surfers. Oh. They're always complaining about, we've oh. got the best surfers and we can't fly to Brazil to qualify and blah, blah, blah. You've heard it all. I could see that happening. Yeah, I could see Red Bull or somebody going, you know what? Okay, if they're going to own the stadium space, we're going to own this Hawaiian thing and blow it up. If they, meaning the WSL, is going to own the stadium space yes. and box us out, yes. then we're going to... Yeah, I could see that. And the core market's going to want to see Pipeline. Because obviously a stadium event thing, there's going to be a little bit of crossover. You and I will watch it. But there'll be people that boycott the stadium event thing. Yeah. But... I, I really... So I think that the WSL is looking to the UFC often for lead in how they've went from, you know whatever the number was, $400 million or $40 million in debt, or what, I don't even remember what it was back in the day, to now being like the fastest growing, most profitable franchise. And if you follow that model, where there was like this super core support with zero public support, and actually the public was appalled by that sport at yeah, the time, yeah. and they've transitioned to just building this giant everybody's core. Everybody cares about this now. Um, you and I, who actually don't have any interest in fighting and going and like signing up at the gym, will still watch it. You know what I mean? So I think the WSL looks to that and goes, well, really the profitability there is in selling, number one, tickets into the stadium, and number two, pay-per-view. Right? Yeah. Like well, that, is, just, that is it. I think there's, and so, no, there's more revenue streams than that. Well, there is. They have advertisers and all yeah. that sort of stuff, but that is really how you make well, the big leap and so the way you make the big leap is by nbc going we will back this and no. once nbc no, 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 no. Backs not for ufc ufc's no, no, going i'm talking about the wsl stadium tour see i don't think they're going that model okay. i think they're going let's transition they sent out a new, an email saying like a survey would you pay yes for the wsl to watch events that was at our request it was at our request <laughs> so that's what i'm saying i think they're looking at that and slowly transitioning to pursue the model that you're talking about stadium seating charge an entry fee and then sell individual events to the public um the problem i see with that is the stadium experience isn't the same as the ocean experience. So the pay-per-view model could work if you're selling me pipeline, I'll pay for that. But buying a ticket into the stadium event, it works for UFC because it's the same in the octagon, no matter where you put the octagon, inside a stadium, outside, in Brazil, in Japan, whatever. The waves, as you say, are the stars. And you, even though it's exciting to watch in the wave pool, it will get the thrill will be gone after a short period of time. Like there's no way to make that exciting um, because it's not, you know, it's predictable. It won't be as exciting as pipeline is. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's wait and see. 
I think, well, one thing that I will applaud the WSL for is um, adjusting along the way. You know, they make, they start moving in a direction, they get negative feedback or just any feedback, and they make an adjustment and go slightly the other way. And so I think that they're good at that. And um, it's just a lot of, it's a lot of investment to make. These decisions are like long-term five, 10-year plans, and it's going to be harder and harder to adjust when you're building a wave pool. You know, yeah. Rather than just choosing to go to Fiji instead of or Karamas instead of Fiji, I've got some awards for you. Okay, you ready for these? I'm not sure. <laughs> the answer is yes, Scott. Yes, I am ready. <laughs> the Archie Bunker Blue Collar Award this year. These are WCT awards, by the way. Goes to Nat Young. Okay. Archie Why are you Bunker. looking at me like that? Well, because I'm trying to figure out what this even is. Is this a brand new segment that you're introducing? I just thought I'd come prepare with some awards for the end of the season. Okay, that's what I'm asking. And then also, Archie Bunker, timely reference, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Yeah. I'm like trying to figure this is out. straight out of Pete Peterson's era. I was going to say, I'm trying to figure out like... Archie Bunker, all the which family, part... most blue-collar TV guy ever from my era. So blue-collar, not the racist part? Which, no, which part of Archie are you working on the do- right working now? on the docks in the union? Okay, so I didn't blue know if collar. you were saying that like Nat Young on his Instagram like made some racist comment. No, and that's last why year, well, two years ago, Adriano De Souza was our blue collar guy. Got it. This he is works hard. Okay, okay. Shows up with his lunch pail. Got it. Nat Young is my really Arch. Yes, he scrambled and suffered through heartbreaking losses and showed up each day. Not sure if. At each event, if he was even going to be in the events, because he was a wild card, right? He was was a guy that was scraping, blue collar style. Okay, I'm runner up, Jeremy Flores. Well, I'm on board with that, but did he qualify based on all that hard work? Not yet. But doesn't mean he didn't grind like a replacement. Sure, guy does. But maybe there was somebody who was grinding harder. Like Wade Carmichael, who then qualified at the end of the season. Wade Carmichael was he a QS guy? Oh my God! Is he on the CT? Wait, <laughs> he just qualified for the CT for 2018. Well, he was final finaled at sunset. Well, he's not he's not a blue collar CT, or he wasn't even on the CT. Well, neither was Nat Young. Well, but but, but, but so he, Nat, he was in that he was in a bunch of events yeah. and he was scraping and he was and he had a chance to. He yeah, I hear you. He got so for the yeah, record, he, Nat right. Young was the injury replacement for a lot of the events this right. season. He's he, currently ranked number 24th on right. the QS. So right. out of contention for. Um, Unless is he in the event? On the Pipe, Pipe? Masters? Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay, next award since you've ripped I like my, it. No, I'm I glad like you it. ripped my first award. I like it. I just didn't understand. Well, I, I actually did these thinking, well, maybe next time we do in two weeks you can come up with your award. So anyway. Fantasy Surfer Letdown Award. Josh Kerr. This surfer had seven twenty fifths. Yikes. Two thirteenths. Yeah. One ninth, and this is from a surfer who was reliable in years past oh, and multi-dimensional. It's not like you could go. I mean, with Josh in the past, you could go, yeah, he could do good in France. Yeah, he could do good in Brazil. Yeah, he could do good at Jaws. Yeah, not that there's an event at Jaws. Josh well, Kerr, my fancy surfer, let down. I agree. It's a good call. Um, there's two surfers I felt that way about this year. Julian Wilson is the other one, and Julian, even though he's like in title contention technically. I'm never more disappointed by a surfer than I am with Julian. He is the most talented guy on tour who consistently disappoints me. And round one at Pipe was the perfect example. He shredded that heat 
and then he burned Stu Kennedy and lost because of it was a uh, interference. You know what I mean? It's like Julian, get out of your own way, dude. Get out of your own way. He's got all the talent in the world, and he cannot make it happen. So I asked my what buddy. What is it about the Australian mindset where they just a lot of them can't? It's not in their culture to break out and be individual and be the best. They all have to kind of be in the in the middle together. Yeah. I don't know. It's a social democratic thing. I started a game with my buddy via text yesterday. I go, Julian Wilson is more disappointing than, and then ellipsis, you know, like dot, dot, dot. And he said, a boat trip to the Manawise where literally everyone forgets wax. Oh, that's pretty good. Julian Wilson is more disappointing than a ticket to Kelly's wave pool on the exact day that they filled it with sharks. (laughs) I was like, well, that's never going to happen, but okay. They wouldn't ever put sharks in there, but all right, I get it. So I agree with you, uh, Josh Kerr, but here's my one caveat to your award. You might have to amend it at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I think Josh Kerr is going to win pipe. Whoa. 100 bucks. Done. No, not Come 100 bucks. Come on, Jesus. See, it'd be out 200 bucks you now. Can't, what, you don't believe what you're saying? I don't have that. No, dude. I, I just, it's a fantasy of mine. But <laughs> a I do, fantasy of yours. I, I go to sleep and I dream about this sort of stuff. Josh Kerr taking the podium because... It's, it's his it's last fair, it's event. A swan song. He's never won an event on season right. or uh, or on tour, and he or I think he won the Margaret River, but it was a QS at the time. Mm. So he's never won a CT event, and these waves suit him so well. He's such a good barrel rider, left and right. If the conditions shift, he can do airs and stuff like that. I think he's relinquished all responsibility he has to like to do good to requalify because <laughs> he's not. He already decided right. that he's going to retire. Yeah. So I think he lets go and blows up and it's the right. underdog story i could see that happening actually it would and be, I would sweet be story. okay with that okay but i doubt it okay keep your game going okay another award the b derbage middle of the road award david there's always been a tall lanky rangy awkwardly styled powerful regular foot in our midst joey cabell ian cairns simon anderson mike parsons simon law Brendan Margison, B. Derbage, and now the winner of this award. Oh, I got it. Frederico I guess. Yeah. He's good for about five more years on tour in the middle of the pack, and the system will replace him with just another just like him and the rest I mentioned. The B. Derbage Award goes to Frederico Marias. Perfect. I have no argument with that one. The Stamped Passport Diabetes Award. Ooh. This award goes to the surfer who realized they're underperforming and had to scramble around the globe in search of QS qualifying points, all the while ratcheting up their airport fast food intake whilst trying to maintain a spot in the WCT. The winner is the Brazilian storm shower of Miguel Pupu, ranked 23, Wiggly Dondas, ranked 24th, Italy Ferrar, ranked 25th, and Ian Gavet, ranked 27th. Mm. Those four share this award, diabetes count going mm. up. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, did you see Frederico ranked fourth on the Surfer Poll Awards? Really? Can you believe that? There's some Defin- por- Portuguese hacking going down. Definitely. There's definitely conspiracy theory here. Gabriel- yeah, that's over the top. Okay. Where was Kalahe? Uh, I'll look it up. But here's more importantly. Gabriel Medina has like 5.9 million 
Instagram followers. Right. That's and he ranks sick. He ranked below sixth. Frederico. Below Frederico. Oh my. Frederico God. has sixty thousand Instagram followers, and he ranked fourth. Number one, I don't think Frederico's as uh, popular of a surfer as Gabriel Medina is. And then secondly, based on sheer, you know, Instagram influence, right? Gabriel should have rallied more votes than that. I think that something's up. The There's, fix is in. I, as a guy who used to work at Surfer Magazine for seven years, yes. I guarantee you the fix is in. <laughs> Do you really? Absolutely. I cannot. There's no chance it's Frederico not, it's, is ranked is the fourth most popular surfer in the world. The fix isn't necessarily malicious. It's just there's too many cooks in the kitchen w- with the Surfer Pole Awards. Okay. There's too many people. I remember many times a publisher going in and going, "You guys." Andy and Bruce have got to be higher than Kelly this year. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone going, yeah, but the votes are the votes, you know? And, and you know, there was always somebody from Creatures of Leisure going, hey, how come uh, Taj Burroughs not higher than this? You know, we're going to pull our advertising, you know? Yeah, <laughs> now, so... Advertisers have absolutely no pull with Surfer Magazine because Surfer Magazine has no influence. Well, um they're going to shoot themselves in the foot with you and I keep doing rad internet awards like you're doing right now. We will end up being the right. award source because if the whole thing is based on credibility in theory and things like that happen and the award show itself is kind of unwatchable, like from a spectator standpoint, watching on the internet here, the worst ever, the worst ever. No, it's the worst ever. It's the worst. So it's kind of like, did you even and you didn't even know Frederico won or got no. fourth because you didn't even watch it? And I used to care. And I it has used nothing to, care to too. do with my age. It has to do with the things. Lo- it's time for a complete change. I know? agree. I I mean, here's my gauge: is what listeners reach out to me about, you know? And nobody reached out to me about this. Nobody emailed me and said, "Can you believe oh my Frederico?" God. Yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. So if. And it's because things like that. Because we all know Frederico isn't the fourth most popular surfer in the world. No. Period. No. You know? That's strange. Yeah, super strange. The Yo-Yo Award. Oh. Surfer with the most up and down year. That goes to Philippe Toledo, who is the only surfer on tour besides Gabe Medina to win two WCT events this year. Hmm. But he's also posted four 25ths and one 13th. So he's either doing really good or really bad. And those are my WCT Spit Podcast Awards. I like it. And um, perhaps in two weeks you'll have some awards yourself. Well, no, it's funny. I started outlining awards for next year, actually. Because I realized, I was like, there is an opportunity to make awards. And among my awards are like best online fight, worst web edit, things like that. You know, all right. Um, Good. By the way, one thing that is worth discussing: you and I have lamented for years now about California not producing high quality, um, like next our next world champ. You know, where is he? Who's it gonna be? Well, the sunset final this year was three Cali kids. It was Chloe and Dino, Griffin Colapinto, Connor Coffin, who won the event, and then the aforementioned Wade Carmichael. So what do you think that, is that a sign of what's to come? Is California going to make a resurgence? I'm totally blown away by Griffin Colapinto. How old is that guy? 14 years old? He yep, looks he's so... Four, 
He is 14. Shut up. He's like 17, <laughs> right? Or 18. He looked so young. Yeah. He just qualified. I know. Yeah. That's, I'm blown away by the yeah. kid. Like, he just went to Hawaii and made it happen. Even last year, remember that massive air he did at Haleiva last year? It was like oh, yeah. a 8 9 or something. <laughs> Chris Gote called it a 540. <laughs> um, I was in math class with Chris Cote at Miracosta Junior College. I doubt his ability to understand radii. <laughs> radii? Yeah, that's singular. <laughs> I like it. Um, uh, yeah. Well, So Colapinto, though. Um, we'll see what happens. You know you know me. I tend to hold back the reins on these guys, whereas you're like, oh, Carlos Munoz, blah, blah, blah. Who was your other? Yeah, how did that work out? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Um, My other one was Matt Banning. I, something tells me that I don't know. I'd like to know the backstory with Griffin Colapinto, but he seems to have a certain panache and a certain moxie and, and certain street legitimacy that others from this region are lacking. And more will be revealed, but is he as blue-collar and as gutsy as his season on Hawaii so far has represented? I don't know. I wouldn't use the word blue-collar. Um Okay, so he's, he's, had a, a, he's a, super, a silver spooner. Yes, silver spooner. Oh, he's the second coming of Chloe and Dina. Oh. Which well, then I don't expect super, much. Super talented. Yeah, well, unbelievably a million talented. super talented exactly. surfers. This comes down to mental. What do you've got between your ears? And he seems to have strong that because of his competitive background. Like you look at all the events that he's done. Chloe well, has a strong competitive background. I know. So that and by the way, Chloe's looks great i don't i'm not here to bash chloe if anything chloe's on the rise and chloe's griffin's mentor like they've surfed together and worked together for years and actually jake patterson is his official coach good jake's for, a good for coach griffin colapinto good now here's my question i um i think that we're going through an interesting time right now this is kind of a philosophical observance that i'm that i'm having and i think that the blue collar guys that we're talking about the unsponsored athletes are the ones who are going to reign supreme next year because the question for me is what does it take to win heats on the ct it isn't the same thing that takes that it takes to win heats on the qs it isn't the same thing that it takes to win heats in the amateur ranks it isn't talent you need talent, but that's everybody's not, got talent. that's not what win heats because yeah when you're at that level everybody has talents so you look at I, I would use Ethan Ewing as being an example. Ethan is supremely talented. Like you look at, you can ask anybody on tour and they'll tell you, Ethan is one of the most talented surfers on tour and he cannot win heats. He has all of the competitive background, the amateur rec record, all that sort of stuff, all of the professional backing, people supporting him. So all that he has to do is focus on winning heats and he cannot win heats. And Ethan's only one example. We have a long, long history of this Is this happening. an indictment on the WQS? Or an indictment on the WCT even. No, I think because the if CT it's not is talent, right where it needs to be. If it's not talent winning heats then that's a question mark for me. I mean, I guess, like, I don't think it's an indictment on the CT. My question is, why aren't we preparing these young athletes to be ready for that level? Maybe that, so maybe that's the question. I just think that, so what What does it take to win heats on the CT? I think it takes this kind of um, dogged mental fortitude and lack of shakeability that, I think can maybe only be groomed 
by hard scrabbled upbringing. That's why you see Adriana DeSouza consistently doing it. Jadson. Gabriel Medina, but Jadson's off tour again. Like Jadson's had a hard time. But well, he's a I great really... example of a guy who's whose mental fortitude yes. got him further than his talent. Perfect. That's a perfect way to size up Jadson. So I think Griffin has all of the like they basically looked at the equation, Jake Patterson and the team, and they go, what do we need to build into Griffin to get him to there? And they did everything correctly. But what they're forgetting is by doing those things and helping pave the way, you're not allowing that mental fortitude thing to really for him to go get it on his own. Uh, I don't know. I, I sense that Jake Patterson's a great choice. Because Jake Patterson's the kind of guy that'll be like, dude, get your ass in gear. Whereas the guys that have mentored Kolohe have been too close to Kolohe. They're like his godfather, his uncle, you know, his, his dad. Like, there's just too much San Clemente around Kolohe. He needs somebody from outside that's like, dude, get your. And, and again, th- I'm speaking about Kolohe from four years ago. Okay. Kolohe seems to have gotten his act together, like, in my opinion, Chloe could win pipe. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, Chloe is definitely a a top five. Yeah, C tier. Yeah, you know? I agree. And and I think he's coming into his own. So I'm not here. I'm not bashing Chloe. I'm just using him as an example. And I, when I think Chloe five years ago, I'm like, you know, the boy wonder that can't win trestles. You right. know, why can't he win at his home spot? You know. So anyway. Well. So one thing I loved about Griffin is he posted an Instagram story two days ago and it was like, it was his goals for 2017 and they were the sweetest goals. And like some R- of them, he write ch- my grandmother. No, no, no. It was, it was like, um, do everything you can to win a heat within your power and know that if somebody else beat you, it's because they were more prepared than you were. Or stuff like that, you know. Oh, ah, okay. Try to that sounds pretty. Yeah. Get a fourteen-point heat total in every heat you surfed, and if you still lose, it's because the other person surfed better than you did. Like things like that. And I, again, I think a lot of this was probably due to Jake's kind of coaching. Um, and he had a check mark next to some of them. Win a win a QS event. Check mark. You know, qualify for the CT. Check mark. Um, but then a lot of them were kind of a humble from a very a position of humility and humbleness yeah so i like i like that about him i think he's a great kid i think he's unbelievably talented but again the question of what does it take to win heats on the ct level i think that's where we're going to see wade carmichael actually then push through and william cardoso push through because those guys have had to actually figure it out on their own up until this point and i think I think that this is all reflective of where we're at as a society right now, where we're just kind of like, we want to support the Matt Warshaws of the world. Like that, we just, that's who we want in our corner. And so it's going to be reflected in the judges scoring. Yeah. I think if you're new on tour, you have to set goals that are like, my goal is I just want to be here next year because I'm going to need three or four years on tour if I'm ever going to have a chance of being a world champion. Mm-hmm. Just to, I need three or four years because the QS did not get me ready for this. And yeah. I need to hang in the top 20 for three years and year four, five, and six are my chances yeah. to go get it. Yeah, I agree. Well, interesting. So who do you think is going to win pipe since I made my claim? Well, I want John, John, or Kelly to win pipe. Okay. You know, to me, that's... That's fun. 
I, I, I'd be super psyched to see John John not only win the title but win Pipe because he hasn't won it yet. But I'm still I'm going with the long shot. Josh Kerr and William Cardosa. <laughs> I just Josh Kerr just hundred bucks. William Cardosa doesn't. He's not even in the event. <laughs> I just honestly the Josh Kerr thing. It's strictly as a romantic. Like no, I just is. love the story. Yes, I love the story. Yeah. Um, by the way, we always talk about wanting surf rivalries, right? Yeah, we need them. Dude, the best rivalries right now in surfing are not happening between the pro surfers. They're happening between surf media. I know, right? It's, it's awesome. It is but the best what's time. What's this I hear about Surfer Magazine? First of all, Chaz and Derek have basically been berating the Inertia, Stab, and Surfer Magazine for like four years. And now Surfer Magazine's like begging Chaz to work for them or something? Is that right? I don't know if he's, they're begging him to work for him. I know that beach grit has a partnership with surfer where they do like a weekly recap on gossip well i heard from the inside there at surfer magazine that they're like going what is what are our bosses doing like these guys have been bashing us what do they want him to do like just write for them i don't know i i talked to ask jazz i'll ask him yeah well so i don't know that they've been bashing surfer mag they've been bashing the inertia yeah they haven't bashed surfer mag too bad so here's the rivalries that we currently have going in surf media um, this is so silly. But it's awesome. <laughs> you, do you not watch it? I, I don't have too much time to get too involved in it. No. I feel like it's Warshaw versus the industry. Because he's well, even... that's just... No, but that's just Warshaw's take, or Derek right No, no, about. no. Warshaw's taking a stance. He implied it to me. He was like, dude, I don't understand why the industry won't get behind what I'm doing. Well, first of all, you need to identify what is the industry. Like, who exactly is he mad at? Visla? Is he mad at none of the big Captain Finn Company? No, no, no. Is he mad at O'Neill? None of the big. There's five big brands. None of whom. Hurley. None of whom have signed up. How do we know that? Because there's some anonymous donors on there. Because he's he's implied it to me. He's also implied it to Derek, who then wrote the piece that I you're saw, talking about. I saw and I got the email too. Yeah. But there's anonymous donors on there. Uh, he would not be calling the industry out if those anonymous donors right, were right. actually from the industry. Okay, so, so Warshaw versus the industry. Are you Vans? Because I don't like this industry thing. I want to know who you're talking Just about. Just accept it. Vans, Warshaw versus everybody. Quicksilver, all O'Neill, of them. All of them. Red Bull. Yep, he hates them all. GoPro. Yep. Who am I missing? Um, Billabong, Hurley, Quicksilver, well, Rip this, Curl, this isn't, O'Neill. You know why they don't care about the Encyclopedia of Surfing? Because they're not surf brands. These are youth lifestyle brands. I've been telling you this forever. You know who's a you know who the surf industry is? Who? Surfboard makers. That's the surf industry. Everyone else is selling clothing. Yep. You might as well say United Colors of Benetton isn't supporting Encyclopedia of Surfing. They're all in Zing. the soft goods yeah. clothing industry. Yep. That's not the surfing industry. Yeah, I agree. Now Hurley makes wetsuits. They're in the surf industry. Mm-hmm. If you make wetsuits, or surfboards, or fins, or wax. Bob or Hurley leashes. himself makes surfboards. Exactly. He's in the surf industry. Yeah. So th- we have to make a. At some point, you just can't let everyone that buys an ad in Surfer Magazine be in the surf industry. Like, what's the? How do we clarify or validate or qualify these people? Yeah. Tell me. How about if you need to use <sighs> it to ride waves, you're in the surf industry. If you don't, you're not. Yeah. That makes sense, doesn't it? Is that too hard for everyone to swallow? Nope. So make some wetsuits or some surfboards or some fins or some leashes or some traction and be in the surf industry. Uh, 
the other thing I wanted to bring up with this is, did you see yesterday Stab Magazine dropped a podcast? Their first ever episode of a podcast. With Ashton? Ashton is not on it. They got Shane Dorian and Nathan Webster to host, and they're interviewing Chloe Andina. Noodles should have been in my list of tall, rangy, regular foots that made it splash for five years i don't like that you included brendan margison in that as somebody with no style because he had a lot I of style i didn't say no style i you said, said awkward style yes i said margo had sick style awkward stylings margo did have i was reaching for like a 90s era tall guy and he is he's tall I but he went sick, to noodles he had sick style noodles so would have been the better Newton's, yeah, yeah totally so anyways um stab drops episode one of their podcast how many episodes do you think they'll stick with um, until they until they phase out i'm gonna say five okay i was gonna Depends go over a year or what over no no no. just period how many episodes before there's just no more stab podcast i'm going i'm going under 10 10 think, is the over under i think these days people realize that podcasting is where it's at like i think they put effort into it i think a few years ago people were like let's try this thing what's it called podcasting right. i think now people are like I think their companies are like this is how people this is how we get our our brand out to the people man so you think but stick with i don't it? think sh- i don't think dorian's dorian's great by well, the way but i don't know if he's gonna stick with it unless you pay him why not just have the editors do it for god's that's sake what I, so i don't know i haven't talked to them about it yet but um i think if you have a, an impassioned it's, if you have somebody who's super passionate about working for free and like generating content and just creating then they will stick with it but if you have dorian and nathan doing it that probably indicates those aren't the regular hosts it's not like they're gonna bring oh, they're just, right i don't it know it sounds to me like they're like well they've got aki over at billabong so let's get yeah does what about dorian doesn't he ride for billabong yeah now? yeah so i think that they're in hawaii right now and they're like we've been meaning to do a podcast well, here's a concept <laughs> that we can execute right now let's right. do it but that's not a sustainable model no, so if they're going to always have different hosts and different guests then it's going to be, um, you know, there's... Hey, podcasting's hard. You're the only guy that's... You, you've put in so much effort into this thing. It is a it is a friggin' full-time deal. Yeah. Like, you deserve a lot of credit for all the work you do on it. Like, you miss surf sessions. Oh, yeah. Right now we're missing. The waves are pumping right now. Well, I'm not. I plan to... I plan <laughs> this podcast around the tides. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think I'm going over under 10 because without that's a fair number without like a revenue model and like earning a living you fizzle like putting together 90 minutes of filibustering you know every week is tough to do the consistency and all that sort you of know stuff. when we started it at surfer magazine i started it in 05 it was called in the lineup i had the benefit of going to work at a surf publication with all sorts of content around right me. and even then it was hard to go oh shit let's do a let's do a podcast go in the recording studio let's come up with something like it was difficult with all of that around me right. you know to pull it off on a weekly basis so 10 would mean less than one a month you god you got to think that they're got to be committed to doing one a month and have it scheduled well, if they're enough. committed i just think that they fizzle i think everybody fizzles like the attrition rate of podcasts yeah. is faster than restaurants you yeah. know what i mean yeah and um aki has stuck with it which we really have egg on our face because we said that he wouldn't make it but the reality is they've transitioned that into a visual medium and they're more youtube focused now than they are audio focused yeah um so i do think that we deserve a little bit of credit for calling that one out even though he's still going 
Uh, But by the way, when I saw that Stab published that, I was actually happy. I was like, you know what? Honestly, a rising tide raises all ships. They will turn people on to podcasting just because of, you know, they have a a large kind of viewership. And then those people will want to find more consistent content and like more kind of, I don't know, detailed storytelling and that sort of stuff. So um, they'll dig into our archives, but... But yeah, I, but I don't know that they stick with it. Is all I'm saying. But I don't know that anybody sticks with it. Twelve years I've stuck with it. No, yeah, twelve years. Two thousand six was your first. I wasn't two thousand five. I'm not sure. Yeah, oh five. Well, what else you got, Scotty boy? And I cool. Um, Musty moment. Yes. The O'Neill Wave of the Winter entry on Surfline right now. Brett Barley's backside tube at off the wall. Have you seen I this? Seen it's it. pretty insane. And for the reason we look. All tubes that are off the wall are insane, but this one's really cool because the spit is massively powerful, compressed fire hose, gnarly spit, right? And then he comes out. Like, he doesn't come out before it. He doesn't come out with it. This thing fire hoses him so hard, and then there's like a half a second step, and then he comes out. Like, he's behind the spit, so it's pretty mental. Brett Barley, East Coaster, gets a really sick one. Dude, that kid, he's killer. Like, he... North Carolina. I know. He gets the sickest barrels He's like every Jesse year. Jesse Hines, the two point Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, he gets the sickest barrels every year out there, and then you see him in Hawaii every once in a while, and uh, yeah, he charges. I'm psyched to see that. My my musty moment was going to be uh, John John Florence at Rock Pile. Oh, good one. That was I mean, sick. it's triple overhead. And, and the turns, he just escapes out of that thing? The turns, well, he's, no, he's getting barrel, but he's, the turns he's doing on the open face, uh, on triple overhead waves, yeah. like the Margaret River turns that he was doing, but even kind of gnarlier, because the wave's gnarlier, you know? Yeah. Um, it's unbelievable. You watch it, and you're just like, that is the next level. That is beyond what Gabriel's doing, or Jordy's doing, or anybody's doing. It's really, really gnarly. Yeah. Um, so my Duke, I'm going to give it to Dustin Barca. All right. Because... We know about his um, activism over on Maui. We've been talking about it off and on over the years. He ran for mayor, the the current mayor, um, when he was running for a second term, was simultaneously being sued and supported by Dow and Monsanto. Gnarly. <laughs> they're, like, suing him, and then they're also, like, getting behind him for his mayoral run. And it's because... Uh, allegedly he's in their pocket you know it's like they know that they can get things done if he is the mayor um so dustin barca ran for mayor and got defeated by the incumbent but anyways Kauai is ground zero for genetic for testing of genetically modified organisms 17 times more quote restricted use pesticides are sprayed on Kauai per acre than anywhere else on earth so Dustin Barca, Kauai being his home, um, has basically just taken up the cause to hold those people accountable and to get them removed from Kauai. So the reason why he's my Duke this week, though, is that Ruka just released a film called Aloha Aina Warrior that they've been tracking. They've been tracking him for like four years with that mayoral run, with all of his activism. And Barca's goal with the film, quote, is, I hope we can inspire people to make change in their own communities, not just here in Kauai, but everyone wants to save the world, but you can't save the world without saving your own world first. Save what's right in front of you. That's where it all starts. And that's why the, that's what this movie is about, to inspire people to get up and do something in their own community, end quote. Cool. 
Well, that's good to see. I have not seen the film, but I know that there was a big showing on the North Shore last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Duke is Tosh Tudor, 12-year-old son oh, of yeah. Joel Tudor, paddled out at pretty much pumping, for 12-year-old, <laughs> pumping pipeline. On a single fin, right? Yeah, on a single fin. And um, I think he got, you know, he got a little bit beat up, probably got a little pounded, you know, but... Um, that takes some major balls to be totally. 12 years old. I think he's around 12. I don't know his exact age. I surf with him all the time, but I should probably ask him how old he is. But anyway, Tosh Tudor paddling out a pipeline at the behest of his father. I'm not sure Tosh really wanted any part of it. I don't know. He's Who knows? He's yeah. a charger, though. The kid's yeah. a charger. And so uh, Tosh Tudor is my Duke Hanamoka for having way more cojones than I would have at 12 or at my age now quite frankly yeah, or anywhere that, in between dude when you're that young you don't know that you don't know fear you know what I mean yeah. also your bones don't break like you're right. more limber and you can get bent backwards and not get hurt and your ego doesn't break either you're not True. even aware of your ego yeah yeah, yeah. fear comes later fear comes right. at age 13 faith um, over fear my friend faith over fear height heart over height That's by Keanu the way I want to make one. place a caveat before we leave Anybody that David and I have spoken about on this podcast, don't take it personal. We speak of opinion. Everyone has one. Certainly, plenty of people have opinions about David and Scott. We're just here to bring lighthearted, good fun, and entertainment. If you've taken it personal, try taking it professional. I meant everything I said personally. <laughs> I don't know what you're Fair talking enough. about, but I've um, I have ire for those people that you're right. speaking of. Ire. By the way, Alice. by the way, yeah. final uh, note, which I don't really have a segment for, but Snapped Three, the film came out. It was sick, okay. But what I would like to point out about this, it was like a throwback kind of to like surf porn, really rad, like great surfing, rad music, high energy fun irreverent just surfing i loved everything it. everything a surf film should be but here's what's interesting about it there was more hype surrounding kind of the build-up to it they would put little teasers out there like a two-minute segment of mason ho's upcoming section in snap three and that would get a bunch of views and and interest the film hit like landed on the internet for free and then nobody talked about it it was almost like it's a it, for me it's an example of like or it's interesting to note how surf film is changing and how media is changing and how we ingest the build all these up things. is the film. The buildup is the film. The buildup, putting it out in two minute segments was the most important things. Yeah. The film hit the internet for free. You can watch a brand new surf By film then for it free. Was over. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. By then Nobody it was talked over. about it. I don't know what the the number of views are on the film, but nobody talked about it after it was on the internet look at the things we haven't talked about just think like how fast information age is moving yeah we didn't talk one iota about the wildfires in california yeah the surf shops the surfers everybody that's affected especially up in the carpenteria and oh, those man. fires at the yeah. thomas fire we didn't talk about sunset beach yeah we didn't talk about Even the, maui the free pro. surfs we didn't talk about the what maui pro i oh the women thing the women thingy we didn't talk about Chris Amore winning the Maui Pro. I mean, Steph Gilmore winning the Maui Who won, Princess Die. Who won the title, though? Who won the world championship? Tyler Wright, which is weird. Wasn't she injured or something? And she won it because of people didn't step up? Like, Sally Fitzgibbons basically didn't step up, right? Sally choked, but honestly, Tyler fought through her injury and surfed phenomenally. Oh, she, she did surf in it. Oh, she surfed in Europe. Like, she oh, okay. she was injured in Europe, what and she fought that? through it. 
dude so <laughs> I'm just I'm, i mean honestly the fact that you just told that story that story is a story like that's compelling her fighting through the injury the whole right family is a story that you and i haven't really excavated that is compelling compelling story you know and we've left it on the table so what's the most interesting who's going to be the most interesting right in 2018 the most interesting right yes hmm maybe mikey no i'm going tyler it's probably going to be tyler it's going to be tyler because she's going to win triple back to back to back she'll be in contention for the world title again next year i think owen i love owen as a surfer but um i don't know that he's the most compelling storyline at this point like him coming back and winning snapper was the best story ever after the injury and now he's kind of hovered in the middle and like you know he'll resume middle form maybe top 10 but tyler's probably the better story i don't know why i said mikey i don't care about mikey yeah he's like a one-hit wonder i mean he's cool like his surfing's rad everyone rips yeah exactly they all rip all right dude yeah um you know what subscribe to encyclopedia of surfing for three dollars a month but way more important is subscribe to the spit podcast david and i need your donations to continue this podcast we've told you how difficult it is to produce these things we've been with you for a long time how many years you and four four years 100 episodes and i've been doing it for a hell a long time david's been doing his own thing for a long time spit podcast it's a standalone podcast spitpodcast.com go there comment on what you've heard today but more importantly send us some money there's a donation platform you just click the donation button and it's a paypal uh, situation. So it's super easy to do. You can do a one-time donation or you can do a monthly subscription for 5 10 20 bucks, whatever you want. And thanks for listening. A lot of people in the water paddling up to me saying, God, you guys are doing a good job. Yesterday, a guy said, I go, what about Chaz and David? How are they doing? He goes, you know what? Sometimes they go on the craziest tangents and they get drunk and I just turn them off. Did he I'm really just say telling that? you that's what I heard. I don't mind. <laughs> I'm not bashing you guys. Remember what I said earlier? Don't take it personally. Oh, I don't. Trust me. I'm sure it's good. I actually listen to it and I enjoy it. Good. I like it. Thank you. Um, okay, so until next time, adios and aloha. Aloha.